0: Hello, and welcome to a new episode of Football, the podcast where football meets politics. I'm your co-host, Dr. Francesco Belcastro, and here is my other co-host, Dr. Guy Burton.
1: Hi, how are you doing, Francesco? Good to see you again.
0: I'm fine, Guy. We've got we received emails and messages from listeners worried about you, your well-being because they cannot hear you very well. This Can I just never... clarify that this is a, just an IT problem and you are effectively <laughs> doing well? And well, also, I'm... I'm not silencing you. You are... No. Uh,
1: well, I'm kind of I am I kind of feel like I'm going to sort of take a cue out of, you know, the, the episode from a couple of weeks ago from James Montague, who said that he quite liked the retro feel. It sounded like sort of like late 80s, early 90s broadcasting. So, you know, maybe we should stick with it.
0: Well, <laughs> we've had some improvement from from the episode of a couple of weeks ago with with
1: with James. So I think yeah. I think we're
0: getting there. I think your yeah. audio is, is getting there. I mean, we really need you to, to be back because today we're going to have a, a fascinating discussion. Yeah, yeah. Um, In a very, very topical episode.
1: Yeah. What are we talking about today?
0: We're talking about the European Super League. So our guest, uh, it's Anthony Macedo. Anthony is a Portuguese academic and he's based at the Lisbon School of Economics and Management and at the University of Minho, which is a city north of Braga, I understand. Now, Anthony obtained his PhD uh, from the University of Aveiro last year and has worked in, in business and economics. Um, and his work covers business and sport in particular Um, and has focused, which is great for us, on the European Super League in in, uh, particular. Anthony has published several co-authored works on the topic of the Super League with his colleagues Paulo Reis-Morao from the University of Minho and Marta ferreira Diaz from the University of Aveiro. So he's got great expertise in this particular topic. Anthony, welcome. We're really, really uh,
2: happy you, you accept our invitation. How are you? Hello, hello. I'm fine. I'm also very happy for your invitation because I really love to talk about the Super League.
0: It's a, it's a topic that, that football fans are, are all very interested in, uh, aren't
1: Yeah, but before we can start on that, Francesco, can we just ask about uh, you know whether Anthony has a football team and whether that football team will be in the European Super League anytime soon?
2: Uh, I was a huge fan of Benfica for several years. But then I understood that it was hurting me more, that it was giving me pleasure. So mm-hmm. I kind of did a treatment to stop supporting the club. Today I say that I'm like, uh, I I just like I, I have preference for Benfica. Let's say. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're I a don't suffer supporter now. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> uh, I don't suffer because of football now.
1: <laughs> they're just going to watch other people suffer instead um...
0: <laughs> the thing about this, the Super League is now is it has been kind of going in and out of the news for, for a while and, and there seems to me that there is sort of a push towards um, the Super League by uh, several parties um, so the reason why I want to talk to Anthony is to, is to get a bit of context for this and also mm. um, see where we are um, so I mean the first thing I wanted to ask um, Anthony is uh, The Super League has been the European Super League, which, for listeners who are not aware, is this idea of a sort of different tournament that would bring together uh, some of Europe's top clubs, and it would be um, a close tournament. In most, in most expectations, you'll tell whether this is right or not, Uh, and would basically take the place of the the current Champions League. So, last was it last month? Um, the month before December, December in December, right? In December, correctly. Uh, The European Court of Justice issued a ruling saying that FIFA and UEFA um, rules that demand prior approval for formation of a competition um, were unlawful. Um, So essentially, a a ruling by the European Court of Justice, well, Anthony will explain a bit more to us, that favoring the formation in the future of a European Super League. Uh, Is that the case, um, Anthony? And and were you surprised by the European Court of
2: Justice uh, ruling? Uh, So personally, I was not very surprised. Considering that uh, a few weeks late, uh, before, the, the Advocate General Rantos uh, gave his opinion on the case and he pretty much predicted this decision. And additionally, I'm not surprised because the decision doesn't imply that the Super League announced in April 2021 would have been in line with the European Union law. It only means that an organizational market should exist. And the law requires competition to be transparent, objective, non-discriminatory, and proportionate. Mm -hmm. So personally, I'm not sure if the 2021 Super League would have met these non-discriminatory criteria. Uh, However, what I find very amusing is that UEFA will retain competence to run the prior authorization system. So this means that they will have to establish detailed detailed licensing requirements for potential rivals. (laughs) Of course, these requirements must comply with European Union law, but I'm curious to know how much time this process will take and how challenging it will be for new competitors.
0: So what will be expected of the in this sense for people who are not familiar will WEP have to
2: take a leading role in this basically they they just have to to establish the detailed licensing requirements and they have to to comply with the transparency objectivity non-discriminatory and and being proportionate which today is not the the, the case because uh they don't allow New competitions to
1: to emerge. In effect, it's asking UEFA to license a competitor to its own competition, the Champions League, right?
2: Yes, that, that's what I find very amusing in in, in this story because they keep the re- regulatory power; mm-hmm. they just have they just have to share the organisational power,
1: okay. which are two different things. Can we set that in? Set that in 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 context with the the 2021 uh, proposal that came out, because that initial idea of the Super League back in April 2021 did not meet the requirements, and now we've got this, the 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 court, the court judgment saying that well, actually, a competition can be set up, and the UEFA has to uh, you know to, to adjudic- adjudicate it fairly, I suppose. So. What's changed between April 2021 and December twenty three?
2: Now we know that uh, an entity, an organizing comp- company, can propose a competition, and then UEFA will have to check if they 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 meet the the criteria. That that is not public yet. They don't have a really mm. a, a criteria for now. So that's why I'm I, I was I'm curious about how much time they will take to do this, but before that, uh, there was threats. For example, in twenty twenty one, have threatened the eight twenty two, or not not really eight twenty two, but the clubs and the and the and the players. Uh, and today they know that that they can do this because there is there is an organizational market. For, for for football competitions
1: okay and so can we set the this idea of a european super league in wider context then because the idea is not a new one is it i mean can we can you give us a little bit of a sense of what the history of the european super league or its you know and predecessors has been
2: talks about the super league started a long time ago it is important to bear in mind that very different models have been discussed mm-hmm. some with a closed format others with an open format, some requiring clubs to break away from their domestic leagues, others not. A lot of features can change in a Super League and there are not many rules apart from the idea of creating a competition with several big European clubs. So the oldest reference about the Super League that I have found in the literature dates back to the 60s. Mm-hmm. In, a, in a book called The Football Man from Arthur's, Arthur Hopcraft. In his book, Hopcraft made reference to a potential Super League where leading European clubs would break away from their domestic leagues to form a transnational league. And it is funny to read that today because at the time, his main argument against against its occurrence was the cost and difficulties of traveling,
1: mm-hmm.
2: which today we clearly know that it, this is not a concern, even though maybe it should be due to environmental concerns, mm. but, okay, this is a discussion for another podcast, I think. <laughs> uh, so uh, this was the oldest reference in terms of book books, uh, but as far as I know, the first prominent figure from a big football club that advocated for the Super League was in the 80s to Berlusconi who held the majority stake in SM Milan. During that time, during that time, to qualify for the European Cup, so now the Champions League, it was necessary to be domestic champion. Mm. So after multiple seasons without qualifying for the competition, Berlusconi began making threats about the Super League. Then, during the transition from the 80s into the 90s the largest english clubs also threatened to start a super league because they were dissatisfied with the distribution of tv revenues mm. in the domestic league and probably this was an argument to create the premier league in 92 so then some years some years later at the end of the 90s the first complete project of super league was announced under the name european football league It it included a lot of detail, such as format, size, potential revenues, really everything. Really, having seen this project, I'm unsure if the 2021 project was more detailed. For example, in 2021, the criteria for selecting the participating clubs remained somewhat unclear. Mm. But in this earlier project, the selection was based on the weighted average of several components announced beforehand components like the success in last 10 years the commercial value of the league the uefa country ranking and each of these components had a specific weight for example the success in the last 10 years was the most important one uh, which represented 45 percent so this league was supposed to be owned by 52 clubs being 16, 16 of them founders and 36 called as Candidate Clubs.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: However, the membership was intended to remain fluid and there was provisions for national champions to participate in the league. This project was not only a league-style competition, it was also a cup. Uh, the 16 founders would play in the Super League and some of the Candidate Clubs would play in the Super League and the others in the Cup alongside Invited Clubs. So. Evidently, this project aimed to challenge the international club competitions organized by WEF. On the other hand, it was designed to be compatible with domestic leagues, incorporating plans for resource distribution that would benefit the national leagues, amateur football, and the game in global terms. Mm. So, at the end of the day, this project I just explained, seemed like a very credible alternative to WEF's competitions. And apparently, several clubs were supporting the idea. So UEFA needed to take action to protect its its competitions. And their solution was quite simple, but also very effective. They increased the number of teams in the Champions League Mm -hmm. and and allocated more spots to clubs from the top leagues. Mm. And this was enough to convince the clubs to stay with the UEFA. And the Super League failed. So this seems so simple that there are even theories arguing that the clubs never had any real interest in joining the Super League. They just used the, the threat of the Super League against UEFA.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: By the way, the company leading this project was called Media Partners International. It's against Silvio Berlusconi.
1: <laughs>
2: this time, I don't think he was directly linked, but he was an associate of the person of the person running media partners so then in the aftermath of the of the failed proposal the clubs understood that together they would have greater negotiating power Mm. therefore the lobbying organization g14 was created and in the next few years the idea of super league persisted a little bit it is also during this period that different models of super league were presented by scholars However, the rumors quickly disappeared for because the G fourteen was transformed into the European Club Association, but most importantly because the Champions League was experiencing great success. Mm-hmm. So it was only around one decade later that we heard about the Super League again, when the Football League's platform exposed secret plans in 2018. Mm. Unfortunately, in my opinion. I don't think we paid enough attention to this at the time. And I'm not sure that this project of 2018 is entirely unrelated to the 2021 project. Between these two projects, Florentino Pérez, the president of Real Madrid, uh, appealed several times in favor of a Super League, but most did not believe him. And probably because it was not the first time that clubs use this kind of trades. But even those that 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 believed him were surprised by the almost closed competition announced in April 2021. So the rest of the story, I believe everyone knows, mm. became the headline news on every TV channel. Uh, on April 18, 12 clubs announced their support to the Super League and just two days later, only three, three clubs remained. Uh, under <laughs> mm. <laughs> under the, the pressure of fans, weF sponsors and even politicians such as Boris Johnson and, and Emmanuel Macron, uh, most clubs abandoned the project. Mm. And how did all, all of this lead to the, to the European Court of Justice? Well, let's say that WEF threatened clubs and players with bans if they participated in Super League. And the Super League organizing entity, called eight eighteen two claimed that UEFA was abusing its power and argued that an organizational market should exist. Indeed, the court ruled in their favor. Mm. Thank you very much. Can I ask you, so there's been this uh,
0: trend towards um, an European Super League or attempts to impose it for, for quite long. Um, what's driving that what is the mo- kind of the argument in favor of the European super league is it only money w- what makes it what makes a good argument for for
2: people to ask for the European super league for clubs in particular it's completely money <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that's the ma- main focus is to get money but uh, for fans football fans for those that are in favor of the super league it's uh, to try to to, to find some more competitive balance, which is a problem in several domestic leagues. But even at the international level at the, in the Champions League, we know that, uh, that for example, since the, uh, since the beginning of the century, only one club uh, won the Champions League that was not from the big four, uh, it was Porto. Mm. And for example, since 2010, only only eleven percent of the clubs that uh, that played the quarterfinals were were not from the big five. So there's a problem of balance both at domestic and international level, and it's the main reason to for a fan to to seek something different with the Super League. So,
0: the current Super League uh, project, what would it mean? Would it mean that clubs? Wouldn't play in national leagues anymore. They would play only the Super League, or or are some of these most most recent proposal trying to bring together
2: playing in the league and playing in the Super League?
1: Basically, an alternative to the Champions League, right?
2: Yes, yes. the The, the last projects we we saw are all about uh, being rivals of the Champions League or substitute the Champions League. Uh, but there are ideas from scholars and even from an idea that I think they created in, a, in one of my papers of replacing or not not really replacing the domestic leagues but being a league uh, the top division league above the domestic leagues uh, so like I said before we have very different models of super league um, that could ex- that could exist
1: you can only have one champion and so you you could be a great team domestically but then you you get in with a bunch of other really good teams at the european level and you're not so great anymore someone's got to come bottom so i don't know you know what the advantage is to a european super league uh
2: but do you mean about the super league replacing the domestic leagues or about a super league replacing the champions league
1: so okay so what you're saying is that there they could be there are, this is I guess another one of the challenges right that when we're talking about the European Super League we don't really know what it's going to look like right because there are so many different models and example you know ways of doing this out there um so maybe you could talk a little bit about that i mean the uh, i mean have there been attempts to try and create transnational leagues before and what what has made them work or not work
2: the, the ideas of transnational leagues I, I already uh told you about some of them mm. and they were practically all about replacing the Champions League, not mm. about replacing domestic leagues, but about uh, leagues replacing the domestic leagues. They are more theoretical. We know that for a club there are advantages for fans, advantages for clubs. These are two different things mm-hmm. because for clubs, Uh, it's dangerous to replace domestic leagues by a Super League because, as you said, it it will be a lot more difficult to win titles. And titles also mean popularity. So, it also means money. Uh, Mm -hmm. On the other hand, for fans, it may be different in terms of competitive balance. Nowadays, for example, if you take an example, the Portuguese League, you know that every year, only three clubs will win the Champions League. Mm-hmm. The, uh, sorry, the, the Portuguese League. Porto Benfica and sometimes Sporting. But if you take these clubs into uh, and put them in, into a Super League, the the, the discussion is completely different, completely different. And in terms of competitive balance, it could be a lot more interesting than every year you know that these three clubs will win. So there are uh, aspects in favor and against uh, replacing a, 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 the domestic leagues. And I don't think that current discussions are about replacing domestic leagues. The, the the Destroying the tradition is one of the things that you don't want to do with football fans. Uh, football fans are very, very, very averse to change. <laughs> uh, and even though... I have quite a cynical view about that also, because however, they are very averse to change. They are also, um, this aversion doesn't transform into stoppage of consumption. It's more about complaining. Hmm. (laughs) Uh, And I really believe that if a Super League is created, the fans will continue to to watch the games uh, of their clubs. May I ask you
0: one thing on this? So yes. you, you mentioned how like Boris Johnson and and Britain and other politicians were very quick to react in two thousand and twenty one mm-hmm. when this Super League crisis took place. If we can take it uh, talk talk about it this way, is it because it's it's kind of easy uh, popularity? You know, that most fans are against it, so you can just say, well, you know, we're not going to allow it. Um, so th- th- does that mean that most fans don't want the Super League and politicians are are? Exploiting
2: that, in my opinion, I think it's totally that, and we saw that a lot of a lot of times. For example, with Emmanuel Macron, uh, he did that with the Super League. He also leveraged football in situations like the expected transfer of Kylian Mbappe, uh, and when he decided to be present in every photo after France won the World Cup. This is a very typical. Um, uh, action from from
1: politicians you've also touched upon the fact that it's most likely that the kind the leading clubs whether it's in the champions league or the super league are going to be from the big five you know, germany italy england spain you know what does the european super league look like to uh you know to to, to a more mid-level market like like portugal i mean where what where, where do do the three big portuguese clubs stand in all of this
2: publicly they cannot stand in favor of the, the the Super League. Today it's not the trend of the clubs standing in favor of the Super League. But if we are very cynical about this point too, uh, we know that the Super League will be pretty much like the Champions League for Portuguese leagues, uh, for Portuguese clubs. So we know that it will be a competition only for three maximum four clubs with Braga. Uh, so it will depend a lot on the format of Super League format, or, on the format of the competition. So if it's a competition that, for example, today in today's Champions League, if uh, Braga does an incredible uh, league, uh, an incredible championship, he can qualify for the, for the Champions League. Mm-hmm. Uh, today's in Portuguese League, uh, the expectation of the clubs about Super, Super League would probably be the same about like in the Champions League. Uh, if a club like Braga does a very big championship uh, with good performance, they will probably qualify to the Super League like they qualify to the Champions League. Yeah. However, one of the difference is that, for example, in the model of Super League, the last model of Super League announced in 2023, at the end, of the in December. A club that does such a good performance domestically only qualifies to the third division of the Super League. Okay. And that could be a very important difference. Uh, because, okay, we know that most of the time these clubs that do a very big performance the fol- in the following season, the Champions League is not very... It's not they, they cannot not sustain this good performance. Mm-hmm. So for the balance of the top division it's important. but in terms of of that dream of the clubs of participating in the biggest clubs in the, in the biggest competition, it will it will be a lot more difficult because they will only qualify to the third division then they need to qualify to the second division mm-hmm. and only after that they, they can qualify to the first division. So it's a longer process. So this is the main difference, but for the top clubs, for example, of Portugal, I don't think it will be very different. Probably they will not attain the first division. They will be in the second division, Mm -hmm. third division, it will be too difficult Mm. to stay in the first division.
0: Can we ask you one final thing? I know that academics don't like to make predictions, but do you think eventually we're going to see a European Super League managed by someone other than than UEFA or or is UEFA power always going to be too strong?
2: Yes, this is a very tough question. <laughs> <laughs> the The emergence of a super league is difficult due to due to the aversion to change uh, that fans have, but also because of the catastrophic approach in the in the project of April twenty twenty one. This proposal tarnished the name super league. And now, every time we hear about Super League, we hear about closed format competition, money, greed, even though the project announced a few weeks ago is completely different. And the 8282, the company organizing this competition, know, knows that very, very well. And they try to avoid this confusion with the name in their communications by avoiding calling it Super League but the media and the fans continue to refer to the project as a Super League. Super League for everyone, right? Yes. <laughs> so, they cl- besides that, they claim to have several clubs supporting them, but we cannot be sure if it's true until the clubs themselves admit it. So, I just think hmm. it will take time for people to forget about the 2021 project. And besides, it would help them a lot if, the, if this new format of Champions, Champions League does not work well. And at the end of the day, I think it's beneficial for fans that UEFA as a rival as it encourages them to improve their products. For example, A22's idea of making all the games available for free streaming Today, of Mm. course, we are all very suspicious because it goes completely against the recent trend and the numbers don't seem to add up. Nonetheless, I believe it's important to put that subject on the table. How many football games do we have today on free TV? In Portugal, we have some, but I know that in much countries, there are none or almost Mm. none.
1: Mm.
2: However, perhaps... This is why nowadays there is a concern that young consumers don't watch the entire games. Many of them likely did not grow up with easy access to this match. And I'm not suggesting that completely free games are the solution. But having one or two games per week available for free is different from having none. In, in, In one of my studies, I estimated that when a person as free access to some games in a competition, their willingness to pay for the rest of the games is higher. Therefore, it would be valuable if we have paid attention to this aspect, as it also relates to the sustainability of the sport.
0: Why policymakers never listen to academics.
1: this This point you make about uh, you know free streaming uh, is a really interesting one because this came out a couple of weeks ago. Talking about showing a lot of these games for free, and it's prompted a lot of discussion as to well, how does this work, right? I mean, could you talk? Can you say anything about how would A22 actually generate the 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 revenue necessary for this? I mean, um, how does it currently work with the Champions League, for example, and what would A22 have to do differently from the Champions League? Finally, the last thing I must ask is also, you know, presumably the, um, you know, A22. In order to try and win, you know, fan and other support are going to have to uh, make more money available to grassroots football, community football, as a way of, you know, placating, you know, the suspicion about them. No.
2: Yeah. So uh, about the the um, the streaming platform they want to create, free streaming platform is not. Only free because it will be work like Spotify, for example. You you can pay to not have ads because what they say that will uh, make them earn a lot of money is a lot of ads, a lot of ads, 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 ads. I I hope that if t- today, uh, if someday this happens, we will not have uh, an ad uh, interrupting a goal of a game. So I don't think it will reach that point, but we they will make us watch a lot of hats so in terms of revenues they they claim that they will get a lot more of revenues because there there will be a lot more games between big clubs
1: hmm.
2: that's what they claim so if you have more revenues you have more revenues to share among the top clubs but also among uh, grassroots and even domestic leagues. They claim that we'll sh- they will share a bigger part, uh, a bit more revenues with domestic leagues than Champions League, Champions, the Champions League is currently doing. However, uh, what I'm concerned about is that today we already have a problem uh, in most leagues uh, of balance provoked by the Champions League because the clubs participating in the Champions League have get more revenues uh, than those that does not participate hmm. and this problem could improve, in in principle will continue with the super league and it can be even worse if the the revenues are much higher uh, for the Champions league the for the super league participants uh, so this is a concern that i don't think this last model of super league is is correcting however they also talk about limitations in terms of uh, with salary caps uh, and that could be interesting so they 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 seem to have some financial concerns too hmm. but I, I don't think they bring much more solutions than the champions league and uefa is 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 offering
0: there's a lot of questions that mm. that we we really don't know the answer for yet, but really, this has clarified things for for us football
1: fans. What's striking to me is just how up in the air it still is, right? So we have, if I was to just paraphrase and summarize what we've what we've taken what what I'm taking away today is that, yes. Yeah, the european super league isn't going away anytime soon it's it's possibly likely to appear on the horizon but what's the contours what the structure of it's going to look like who's going to be involved how much money is going to be involved it's all still very much unclear right and, yeah, and maybe maybe and maybe that's its advantage right the 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 fact that we don't have anything concrete makes it very difficult either for you know, for fans and and uefa and others to uh, to to, ch- to 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 challenge and criticize Definitely.
0: Well, I think it's, we really need to thank Anthony for this fascinating conversation and, and thanks so much for taking the time and and, and speaking to us. And, and then we need to remind a few things to our listeners as well. Well, we've got, um, we are on all the um, social media, we are on Blue Sky, we are on Twitter, XR. we are on Facebook, so find us there. Also, we want to hear from you in terms of what episodes we should be doing. But mm-hmm. we also want you guys to you guys and, and ladies to rate us. Mm. Um, share the episodes and
1: um, what else? What am I yeah. forgetting? Um yeah, subscribe. Always a very good, good way of yeah, making sure so yeah. that you get, yeah. you get you get you get another episode dropping into your box, you know, first thing on Monday morning, which is when we put these episodes out. Um, but again, yeah. sorry. And we got a
0: very, very interesting episode uh, next week as well. Uh, mm-hmm. um, quite an important shift of topic where we're looking at something quite different, which is Google Players, Trade Unions, and Representation. And we're going to have as guests Alex Colvin and Alexander Bielefeld from Pro, the World Players Union.
1: Well, that's great. Anyway, thanks again, Anthony, for coming in and taking the time to speak to us. And hopefully, maybe, maybe when A22 comes out with a, a much more concrete example, Later on, we can have you come in and talk about how it's actually going to work out in practice.
2: Yes, and we don't even t- talk about the women's Super League, which ah. is another subject that they, they also presented. Mm-hmm. Yes, so th- there are there are a lot of stories to tell about about the so- Super League. Thank you a lot for, for, uh, for your invitation. Uh, it was a pleasure for me. Yeah. Thank
1: well, you thank very you. much. Thank you very much.